0: Hi, everyone. My guest today is Prairie Conlin. She's a licensed mental health professional, and she is a therapist that utilizes animal-assisted interventions in all walks of her mental health practice. She has her master's degree in professional counseling and a postgraduate degree in military behavioral health counseling. She's a certified Equine assisted therapist and has presented at national conferences on her techniques for providing equine therapy for military members and their families with special emphasis on transitioning from the military back to civilian life. She's taking over our incredible The Animal Effect show. I'm so excited about that and excited for you to get to know her. Thanks for joining us.
1: I'm not the house of
0: I'm strong enough to handle what you throw me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta walker Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. Every second.
1: After all, we promised we'd be
0: cordial. Hey everyone, I have got a special guest today who is a new podcaster on the network. Her name is Prairie Conlin, and she is an animal person, as you just heard. And we have been wanting someone to take over. Probably don't tell any of the other podcasters, but my favorite show on the network is The Animal Effect. If I could do that show every day, I would, but I just don't have time. So I found someone even better than me to take it over. Prairie, thank you so
1: much for joining us and for doing this show. I am absolutely thrilled about this. Um, this is just so exciting and and a topic uh, near and dear to my heart as well. So yeah. very, very excited to be here. Now I gave everybody,
0: you know, a very short highlight reel of who you are and what you do, but I want them to hear it from you so and we'll get into you know more things as we go but can you give everybody just a the favorite parts about what you do and why you have animals as such a big part of your career
1: yeah absolutely I, I've just been surrounded by animals my entire life um, I grew up on a cattle ranch and we had everything big small um, and then um, as I got older um, in the high school, I started working at a veterinary clinic, and of course, all of the animals that nobody wanted or dropped off, I brought home. <laughs> so i um, so thankful to my parents for allowing me to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, great parents. And yeah, listen, when yeah. she
0: says she's big and small, I've seen her, these stunning, should be in like Sports Illustrated or Equine Mastery magazine or whatever, of her on horses, roping cattle. And do, so when she says large and small, she's not kidding.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, so blessed to have that, uh, that growing up and, um, you know, had originally wanted to go to veterinarian school, but, um, you know, things change and really took uh, an interest in the um, psychology world. And then as soon as I figured out, you can combine the two. (laughs) I mean, that was, that was it for me. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, I've made a career with it. Um, I did my internship at a place called horses that heal in North Carolina, um, right out of my graduate degree. And, um, you know, we had horses there and it was amazing, uh, to me to understand I can practice psychology and mental health therapy in a horse arena. I was like, this is the greatest job ever. That's and, amazing. and kind of took it from there, took it, you know, with the horses that, because the thing is, is out in the arena, there's, um, all of the other things are included in it. You know, I mean, there's the nature therapy, there's, there's the barn cats every once in a while would make an appearance, you know, you have the stable dogs and everything. So you, you just get all of it. And I realized that every, every animal has their place in that. And so, um, really have just kind of grown with that and, and, uh, brought it to my practice and, And that's basically, um, animal assisted interventions are what I do.
0: Mm, I, I love it. That's, you know, this is why I got into having therapy dogs because I always have to have a dog or two or more attached to my person and, um, whether they like it or not, darn it. And, um, and I, I loved doing, you know, therapy dog work in psych hospitals. And there was just so many ways that I witnessed animals, helping people open up have moments of peace in an otherwise unpeaceful you know life that's going on inside of their head um so i did the same thing i i tried to i figured out what way i could bring animals into my life and have it be a part of my work experience too and when i was doing this this was well before I mean, I think I had to give a kidney and hair follicles and things like that to get my dog approved to work at a hospital. And now, of course, you can do that really easy. So, Mm -hmm. um, for you doing this, you know, as long as you have—and I'm not aging you—you're probably younger than I am, but you definitely were doing this before it became as popular as it is today. So, how was that for you? Did you notice that, or you know, how how have you noticed a change in that?
1: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the, the biggest thing was, uh, it was always considered an alternative therapy. I mean, and it still is. Um, but um, I think really what's changed is not so much the, the fact that people, I mean, animal assisted interventions have always worked, but the fact that people are looking for more natural and holistic forms of treatment. Um, you know, everybody's, uh, there's a big movement towards the yoga, the meditation, the mindfulness practices. This goes right alongside with all of those things. And I think that's really been the biggest change is just more of a change in in our uh, society saying, hey, we need to figure out something a little bit more natural instead of, uh, you know, contributing to some of the prescription crisis uh, mm-hmm. that's been going on. So.
0: Right. And often, you know, people that, like my ex-husband, as an example, who um, did you know, he had pain pills shoved down his throat as a teenager because he was in sports and so on. And this is long before society really knew that uh, that was not a good thing to do. We we created Mm -hmm. addicts out of it. So what's amazing is how much working with animals, specifically horses, helps people in their recovery from substance
1: abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and uh you know i just i i love the equine assisted psychotherapy work i just have uh i've seen incredible change in people um you know especially uh, with the combat soldiers um you know the military is very near and dear to my heart my my grandfather served in the korean war and um, my husband uh, did 11 years and he just uh, recently got out of the army and my younger sister as well she she served in the army and um, just recently got out so um knowing how hard those transitions are for, for military as well, for special needs and disabilities, for addiction, the, the equine-assisted psychotherapy is just a wonderful, wonderful alternative as opposed to the traditional therapy sitting in an office. A lot of times that can make people uncomfortable, especially, you know, you're thinking about your combat veterans, right. putting them in a box. Right. Um, that doesn't work very well. You know, so, so kind of getting out and having more of an experience Um, because that's, that's basically, I think the basis of why it works so well is it's experiential in nature. You're connecting the mind and the body.
0: Yes, exactly. That's, that's the thing that I noticed about doing the equine therapy part for myself was um, I couldn't even explain what happened. I still have a hard time explaining what happened. And when people say, well, what do they do? I say, well, I can give you kind of a play by play on what they do, but it's unique to each person that you know, that, that goes out there. And what happened for me was such an internal shift that required no, almost no verbiage that it became, it's, you know, still difficult to explain since there were no words needed for what I experienced.
1: Absolutely. And and that's the thing is, you know, where we are today. As a society, we are so up, up in our heads. We're in, we're in our iPads, we're in our phones. And that's, um, you know, just super left brain and, and right brain. Um, you're not engaging both. Um, and right. so with the, with the horses, I like it. And, and even with the, with the dogs, with the cats, anything, I mean, just the, the simple act of petting your dog or petting your cat, that is experiential. But the big thing is, is that we have the, the verbally accessible memories, which we're using right now um, to have a conversation and then we have our sensory accessible memories and those are really hard to work in. That's where PTSD lives and our sensory accessible memories to make it, um, the, the easiest way to explain that is, um, if we hear a song on the radio and all of a sudden we're transported to a certain time or we have a Mm. certain smell or something and we're transported to a certain time, even if it's a good, or even if it's a bad memory, we go there. And that's where, that's how PTSD works. And that's how a lot of these sensory memories work. And, and the thing is, is it's really hard to access those. When we are in an arena with a horse and we're having an experience and all of our senses are heightened, we're starting to tap into that, that right brain sensory memories. And then we're able to actually work in them. And so that's why it's less verbiage but more of a feeling like you were talking about. I have had clients so many times say that exact same thing that you did. I don't really know what happened, but it was an experience. It was a a sensation um, that was really moving for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And when you try to, you know, tell someone you should do this, this would be really good for you. That's it. It makes it difficult to sort of sell that service because when you mm-hmm. tell them, "Well, I can't really tell you how good it's going to be for you," just trust me, and they hear therapy and they get kind of freaked out. Um, I think one of the big things too is when you're working with horses, a lot of the time it's not about riding the horse because I've had people say, "Well, I, I don't, I'm not going to get on a horse," and I tell them, "Well." you don't really do that with equine therapy (laughs) and they don't understand, what would I do with it then? And I'm like, Oh, you have no idea. It's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing that's always surprised me is, um, you know, one of the horses that I use, I've had her for, for 16 years at this point, I was there when she was born and, and you'd think I would know every single one of her behaviors, but she surprises me all the time by reacting differently to people um and having different behaviors that um a a lot of times i don't even know what's going on but the the person i'm working with will say that was amazing the horse did exactly what i needed it to do so prairie in your in your work with horses we're going to talk about many things but there's
0: something about that um experiential piece that people notice when they're working with an animal that maybe like you just said you don't quite know what's going on but the person knows that something just happened. And, uh, I've had this one, I've talked to different um, animal communicators, which people believe in that or they don't, but they always talk about how animals will send you messages in pictures visually. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I have experienced and also what I've heard about with people working, especially with horses in a therapeutic setting where they don't even need to tell a horse, I want you to do this they just think it and kind of picture it, and then the horse just does it, and they can't explain how that just happened.
1: Right, right. And and what's really neat is, um, you know, I mean that because that's the power of intention. And a lot of times we're not in tune with what our intentions are. Um, we're not uh, stinked up and and uh, motivated towards. What we have planned for ourselves and our intentions, and that's something that's you know a, a really big thing that I see happen as well in the arena is um, people start to get in tune with that and in sync, and then the animal starts moving in that way, and it is very very different than um, doing anything with a like with a dog or with a cat, just because they're very different types of animals. A horse is a prey animal. And you know the dog is a predator, and so the horse is a lot more mindful of their surroundings, and a very, and they're always scanning the environment. They're always scanning you, especially if you're in their environment, and so um, you know they're very, very in tune with that. And so when they start moving with a person or uh, alongside them. It's it's really, really impactful for that person. And again, it's one of those things that even as a therapist, sometimes I really want to ask, I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened there? I saw a switch, I saw a change. And I really, really want to know. But you know, that's what's pretty different about the equine therapy and, and great for clients too, if they're not really big on wanting to talk about it, which you know happens a lot with the combat soldiers as well. They don't really want to go into it, but they're having a shift. Right. Uh, without having to have that verbal discussion and, and relive it and talk about it.
0: Tell us a little bit about your journey with, I mean, you've, you've been in documentaries, you've been, uh, you've worked with Montel Williams. You've done some really interesting things as I was reading about you. So can you tell our, our listeners and your future listeners, you know, what, what that is all about?
1: Yeah. So that journey, um, it started, um, a couple years ago when um, my husband got out of the military and, and um, as a military spouse, it's hard to have it. It's hard to nail down a job because it's hard to interview and say, we might leave in nine months. <laughs> right. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants to, nobody wants to spend time with you there. And it's especially difficult um, as, uh, as a clinician. I mean, you have state to state licensure, getting licensure transferred. And um, getting your your practice started, and as a therapist, that's what makes you successful, is having a client base. And how, and you know, I mean, it was really frustrating because I'm thinking, how am I going to have a client base when I'm moving around? We don't really know where we're going to end up again. You know, we want to make sure that we're in a place with a good place, a good school for the kids and stuff like that. And so it might be a while before we figure out where we're going to end up. And plus I was leaving the horses that heal, which I loved that place. I mean, who doesn't love going to a horse stable every day? I know. Getting to do what you do. (laughs) And so I'm going, oh my gosh, what's, you know, what's going to happen? And I mean, I started getting really intentional in my, you know, like my daily meditations. And um, it was three weeks and I ran into this company called CertiPet. And I had already known that I wanted to do online therapy because I was like, I have some clients here that I need to keep in touch with. Yeah. And so what I was doing was just looking for online therapy jobs to, um, you know, somebody that had already done it. I'd done a lot of research, um, kind of setting up my own private practice for online. And when I ran into this online company and it had the word pet in it, I'm going, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, you really researched and to it dig out and about, find that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, I reached out and, got linked up with them and, and it was basically uh it's a company that does um you know telehealth just like a better or talk space um but with the animal assisted interventions being at the forefront of what they do. Um so the therapists there have to have a background in like the animal assisted therapy and understanding how that can help. And so developing treatment plans for clients um that might include like an emotional support animal. Um you know I recommend a lot of clients for certain t- kinds of trauma work or equine therapy and so developing these treatment plans um, for clients and and so i really kind of started researching more and more about what emotional support animals are how that can be helpful as well because i'd already done all the other kinds of things i'd done the, the equine assisted psychotherapy i had therapy dogs in office i've done nature therapy wilderness therapy you know the walk and talk um, and then the emotional support animals um, I knew about it, but I was like, "Well, this is pretty great too." And the more I got into it, I was like, "This is fantastic because it's a consistent daily form of treatment mm. that keeps you accountable," you know, more so than some other forms of treatment. And and so started kind of developing uh, just because there's not a lot of information out there right now about emotional support animals. So. Uh, Started developing my own type of uh, treatment using your emotional support animal, Um, some protocols with panic attacks, um, protocols for helping with sleep using your animal. So, uh, really kind of started developing that. And then, you know, Certipet really got behind me and uh, eventually brought me on as their uh, clinical director. And um, so, we've been, you know, like uh, working and shaping things and trying to help with legislation. And, you know, that's kind of how I've, I, I got uh invited to do some shows got to work with montel and and uh have done some documentaries and and just to talk about this because it's it's a relatively new thing um emotional support animals and it yeah. uh but it's a it's it's a highly effective treatment um but right now there <laughs> the the lack of regulation and everything on it is uh, the problem that we're seeing, you know, like peacocks going to airports. <laughs> so. Right. Or somebody bringing
0: an <laughs> emu. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. I did see a uh, someone, and, and the duck was awesome. Okay. So the duck did nothing. I never even heard the duck, but it was really trippy to be sitting on an airplane and see um, a duck walk through, you know, walk by my seat. And it was an emotional support duck. It was wearing a little diaper, but it was completely quiet. No fuss, no muss. It was so. <laughs> Interesting though is that wow. duck? so you were actually on a flight yep. with a duck. And then later wow. I didn't I didn't get wow. a picture of it because I was just shocked. But late, you know, I got home and then in the news, uh-huh. you know, the biggest story trending on Yahoo was emotional support duck got on a flight in Asheville, North Carolina. And I was like, i was yeah. on that flight. So <laughs> yeah, it didn't even quack. So, you know. Mm-hmm. I was going to say i was I, I think what's interesting with emotional support animals, I know how in you know invaluable they are I certainly that's what they are f- that's what they are for people, even if you don't think that that's what they are. They really are in in the way I see it you know people will say, Oh, are they yours and I'm not trying to correct them, but I don't think of animals that way. I think I'm theirs. They came here to help Mm -hmm. me with my stuff of being a human. It's my job to help them do that job. Uh, But I know I come at it from a different place because I always, you know, have been around animals where they were some kind of therapy for somebody. But what's interesting to me is, so we have people having emotional support animals and these are not dog trainers. These are not certified pet therapists or anything like that. These are just people who have, some kind of trauma, some or uh, well, if it's a disability, then it's um you know a service dog, but they're they're. I think mm-hmm. that's what's gotten some people into trouble is because the animal is there for them, but that person is not trained to deal with this animal in terms of how they react to the public, and so there can be right. some issues around, you know how how the animal does react to the public and, and how that person, because I'm talking about a specific situation where someone had a wonderful dog, uh, another person and their kids would not leave this dog alone. Even though the person was saying, this is not a dog for you to play with. There, it was closed quarters. I think they were on a bus or a train. It wasn't a flight, but it was something like that. So people would not leave the dog alone and like, you know, reaching under the seat and pulling its tail. And the dog ended up biting someone, not bad, but bit them. Mm-hmm. And then it was this huge deal. It was in the mm-hmm. news. This person's awful. We can't have these people abusing the system, blah, 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 blah. And that wasn't the situation. And this person was someone who was in the military, severe PTSD um right it was their emotional support animal and they didn't know how to handle the situation well they weren't trained to this dog is there for their emotional support so i feel like there needs to be some right. education to the public around listen wake up you know you know what i'm saying what what are what's your response to to that piece
1: yeah absolutely i mean that's that is actually you know the biggest thing that i have been um you know pushing for is the public education Um, I mean, there's, there's several things that need to happen. There needs to be some sort of a training system for number one, the doctors and the therapists Mm -hmm. that are doing this. I'm currently working on that and hoping to have that out pretty soon and, and submit it for a CEU. But I think it's really important that if we are going to actually be, uh, you know, prescribing an animal for, um, for them, we need to talk to them and educate them, educate the client about what an emotional support animal is, where it can go, what kind of privileges it has. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if we're not, then there, you know, I mean, a lot of people would just, they might take their animal into a place they shouldn't. Right. Um, and the thing is, is there are laws right now that if you have a quote unquote, fake emotional support animal, you can uh, be fined for up to $1,000 and get a criminal charge. Yeah. Now, my issue with that though, is how are these people that are looking for a service um, that might have a mental illness to know what is right, what is wrong? Exactly. It's exactly. So we're going to punish them. We're going to make their mental health symptoms worse by giving them a a misdemeanor charge and a thousand dollar fee because they didn't know where to seek treatment. They went online and they found a letter and just printed it off or paid 50 bucks for a letter somewhere, but we're going to punish them. You know, that's the other piece of it is I think that, uh, for public education as well, we need to make sure that we're vetting companies that are doing yes, this. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, go to, go to the not. companies that print this stuff out and, and say, I mean, they're so blatant because there no, there's no recourse. There's nothing, there's nothing criminal about what they're doing. They'll say, hey, uh, right on the website, print this out and you'll get on any flight you want to. I mean, they're saying mm-hmm. this is not legal, but they're not going to get in trouble for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's been really frustrating, you know, working with this company Certipet that's completely legitimate that does it the right way, you know, where we have connections with clients. Like um, at at this point, I I just absolutely love it. I've had clients uh, at this point for almost up to four years. Um, I love, you know, seeing their growth through having their animal and everything. Um, But, you know, other companies looking to make a quick buck have replicated that with fake yeah. therapist or fake doctors that nobody just nobody talks to and hey for you know 50 bucks you can print this off and and so this person that might actually have a mental disability is walking around with a fake letter and they're they're the one that is going to get in trouble right it just doesn't seem right to me i so, know
0: there's so much that needs to be done which is why it's so great that you're that you're championing this. I mean, there's so much that needs to be done. And of course, there are people that abuse the system. But I think part of it, too, is that uh, bystander discussions or bystander support or awareness where I've heard people and I'm I am not that person that, you know, is call them out, Charlie, you know, I do not go around being the school mom in every situation, you shouldn't be doing that. But I have very Artfully figured out a way to say to people without shaming them when they brag about, oh yeah, well just get that vest and you know, you don't have to, I have found a way to say, would you not do that? Because it really does Mm -hmm. harm the people that did it. And I've had really good results from doing that, just making people aware. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it starts with the rest of us too.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I totally agree with that approach. Just because, uh, you know, it, it really. And I'm the same way. I, I normally wouldn't go around calling anybody out, but I I have a lot of clients at this point that just have benefited so much that it's just, you know, it feels like a crime not to say anything and say, yeah. hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to scold you, but maybe, maybe you need to rethink that because. Man, there's there's people that are benefiting from this and and we're getting to a point now where people are trying to make it go away completely and and yeah. I think, you know, limiting any kind of intervention that helps, uh I just think that would be a tragedy. Absolutely. Especially with the mental health crisis that we have going on at this point. Yeah, absolutely. The more that we
0: thank goodness, you know, I started in podcasting a long, you know, long time ago when people were still like, what is that? And I hope that I've made at least a little dent in awareness around mental health. And I know when I'm out in public that it's the conversations I hear from people outside of the field are very different and much more accepting than they were eight years ago. And also Mm -hmm. with animals, it's going at an unfortunate uh, place because of abuse of the system and also a lack of understanding and what we're talking about, a lack of, you know, proper Mm -hmm. rules and regulations around it. But it I like the fact that, you know, it's just a known that hospitals are gonna have therapy dogs, that it's a known that you're mm-hmm. going to have this kind of situation happening and, and that this is a regular part of a therapeutic process. I do like that. And I like the fact that when I started taking my dogs to conferences to talk to mental health professionals to convince them what a good idea it was to use them and they, you know, almost wouldn't let me come. I like the fact that now every flipping conference I see has someone there or talking about it. (laughs) So So, Prairie, let's talk a little bit about what you want to do with this show. I mean, I I get it that you're going to do a lot of awareness uh, around Mm -hmm. this, but what, what thoughts have you had around the animal effect and keeping that name and utilizing it just so my listeners and your listeners know what they can expect when they're tuning into your show, which listeners of my show, I'm not kidding. You don't listen to my show if you don't like animals. So listen to the show. It's the animal effect. You can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, and so on. Um, Tell our (laughs) listeners, you know, what you're wanting to do with this.
1: So I want to explore every aspect of the effects that animals can have on us. I mean, the the pet industry uh, is a billion dollar industry here. And so we're not spending that kind of money and um, doing the things that we do for our animals just on a whim. There is something to it. There's absolutely something to it. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go, like I said in my intro from, from the bizarre to the ordinary. I mean, we're going to do some goat yoga. Uh, (laughs) I've never done that before and I'm really interested in it. I'm not a, a big, big goat fan, Um, but (laughs) we're going to check it out. Yes, they are interesting. Well, you know, I feel like they're kind of like cats, you know, how they can kind of just look Mm -hmm. at you and see you and you're like, Hmm. I don't know what's going on right there, but it's the I cloven feel uh, hoof.
0: vulnerable. It's, mm-hmm, it's, it's the cloven maybe. hoof. One foot in hell and one in heaven. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Cats there are sociopaths
0: it is. half the time, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. They just don't. Oh like, yeah, they don't yeah. like me. This I want to ask you about this, and then we'll go back to the other cats. Uh, you tell me if you think this is true. I I love any animal. Like I I love lizards. I love snakes. I love you know, uh, dogs, cats, whatever. I'm not into bugs. Get away from me with that. But I, I love creatures. So, um, cats either love me or they freaking hate me. Mm-hmm. And I have literally had cats like try to leap through screens and houses to come at me. Um, Oh, wow. It's been, a, and I've done nothing to, you know, and I, I had a friend of mine said, Kristen, it's because you're such an alpha and you know, I'm, I'm definitely was born like a pack leader. That's like my personality with dogs. That's why I totally have never had an issue with dogs. I get them, but she said, you know, cats are natural alphas. And so you get a real alpha cat and they're just like, I don't think so. And Mm -hmm. I I said, well, that's interesting, but I want to ask a professional. (laughs) What
1: do you think about that? Is that completely ridiculous? (laughs) No, no, no. And, and honestly, I, I think it needs to be prefaced with the fact that, it, I mean, and this is just uh, my, my professional opinion on this, but <laughs> when everybody says the domesticated cat, that makes me laugh because cats are not domesticated. Yeah, I don't care how much they like being around you and, and everything. I mean, they, they are not domesticated. I've I've had a a theory that well I have several theories about cats but I'll I'll get into them maybe at a later In another show another but show. <laughs> um, one of them yeah one of them is if the apocalypse came I think that the cats would outlive everything and everybody they're savvy and they're kind of scary <laughs> uh, yeah and I mean they I mean they just they know they I swear they just like they look at your soul when they look at you yeah um, we have a cat and he is. He's a great cat. We've had him for nine years. We've actually, you know, brought him from post to post with us. And, and he's actually um, outside my window right now uh, tormenting a squirrel. <laughs> so if you hear a little, little barking in the background, that's a squirrel actually barking at my cat. And, and and I'm just looking at this cat, the the way that they are just so confident. I mean, he's just laying down there twitching his tail. Mm. Real, I mean, it just looks so smug. <laughs> I, this is, I mean... That's
0: what's hilarious about them. There's a barn cat, you know, where my horse is boarded and I love this cat. He's the coolest cat, like no dog. And there are healers there. You know, that's the dogs that I have are um, Australian healers. So these are, you know, very, you know, healers. Um, They can handle a horse. They can handle a steer. They can. Mm -hmm. But they do not muss or fuss with this cat, let me tell you. And he'll invite you in to scratch his belly and then you know, please don't be fooled people because all he wants to do is to then rabbit kick your forearm, make you bleed out and lick himself while you're,
1: you know, that's all. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cats are, I mean, they're just, they do their own thing. You know, I mean, the dogs, a a lot of times they're there to please and they, they are just, you know, whatever you want, what I, I just want to be with you And the cats. Just, I mean, sometimes they're like that and sometimes they're not. I mean, they're just so unpredictable. But anyway, to your point about, uh, you know, like a cat, um, either loving or hating you, I think that they do that with, with everybody. Mm, Um, you know, they have pretty strong reactions, uh, but yeah, more so to somebody that might be an alpha because, and especially to, uh, if they're like territorial. So my cat really, really likes me. You know, I work from home. And so when I step outside, he's really, really great. But then um, he's actually my husband's cat. My husband has always wanted a cat since a child. Um, and he finally was able to get this cat that he wanted um, in marriage. So um, <laughs> my my
0: ex-husband steals the love of cats for me. It just happens. They just love him. And so I've, I've only had one cat in all the animals that we've had, all the cats we've had over the years. I've only had one cat, His name, her name, I'm sorry, it was 8-Ball. This cat was my cat and we've had, I don't know, 50 cats that have wandered in and out of our lives. And this cat literally just, I mean, if I was in the shower, the cat was standing on the glass, top of the glass shower door, batting at my hair. This cat followed me everywhere. It was the only time that I've had my own cat. Every other one Hmm. leaves me emotionally for my (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) ex-husband. Wow, so there's it, some stuff there. There might be some issues <laughs> with resentment that other cats pick up on. That could be it. We just had a therapeutic moment right now. That's probably really
1: what it is. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. There it is. There it is. Yeah. No, I. My husband uh, is the cat person too, and so um, it. Like I said, when my my cat loves me most of the time, but when my husband is around, forget um, it. He's like this is this is my person. Yeah. Uh, don't don't talk to me. I used to look at my look yeah, I used to look here. at my
0: my ex husband and I'd be like, Why don't you pet me that way? <laughs> <laughs> you know you're he's like just into it massaging this cat, and the cat is just in heaven, and i'm like i'm i'm seriously getting jealous of all the
1: attention <laughs> mhm- mm-hmm. and 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 not only that, like when uh, the same situation with my husband. Um, you know, if we let the, we put the dogs out and let the, let the cat in and he's like laying on my husband, you know, we're sitting on this couch together and and I just look over and the cat's just like purring and smug and twitching his tail, just like he's <laughs> doing at that squirrel and his eyes will narrow at me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I am really sorry. I'm just going to go over in the kitchen or something because yeah. I mean, I giving good, me
0: that, that look in this situation. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I've got to figure out how to wield the power of the cat or something. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I mean,
0: animals just in general are fascinating, but um, how do you, when you're, you know, when you're working with someone and uh, they're dealing with a, you know, severe grief over a pet, which is our society's better than it used to be about that for sure. Um, the fact that there are actual, um, you know, uh, Programs of study like at the University of Colorado that are just around pets and grief says a lot mm-hmm. about where we're going, but it's still right. not completely accepted. And you know, you—I I mean, I had two dogs um, die this year, and um, you know, it's—it's it's extremely emotional. It, this creature has become part of your family, and um, mm-hmm. society still doesn't really accept that you need grieving time around that. Um, how do you work with clients to really help them go through the grieving process? Cause I know Mm -hmm. the way we ignore our emotions and ignore our needs, you know, then you end up grieving about it six months later, but you don't understand Mm -hmm. what's wrong with you and you think you're crazy. And it's really just that you didn't grieve at the time you needed to. So how do you pick that up as a therapist?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, that's something that's really near and dear to me, um, to the point that, uh, with the help of CertiPet, I started a um, pet loss support group. Mm. Um, So if anybody is listening and needs to refer a client or, or wants to join the the group uh, itself, um, just, you know, message me. But I started that because pet grief is, is a different kind of demon. I mean, it's, it's something that's a lot of people that haven't experienced it, don't understand. Um, And a lot of times we hear people saying, well, you know, at least it was just a dog, or at least it was just a cat. And the thing is, is mm-hmm. that right there is so hard for people to hear just oh, because, yeah, um, you know, animals are different for us just because they're so vulnerable and um, unconditional. And so, and and on, not only that, most of the time, they have been with us when we're in our most vulnerable places or where we're at our most raw when we have another person even if it's somebody really close to us like a spouse or a family member or a great friend when we're experiencing loss we clean it up we i mean that's just human nature we clean it up we have real raw moments around our animals and then in and through that experience too, you know holding the animal the animal reacts because when we're having those big emotional reactions we're putting off uh, neurotransmitters and chemical signals. So the animals having a reaction usually wanting to comfort us in some way. Yeah. Um. And and so you know those are moments of really deep bonding. You know uh, I, I refer often to animals as our secret holders just because they see us in our most raw vulnerable times. And so you know I started this uh, pet loss support group uh, just because I think that we, um, you know, a big part of healing is surrounding yourself with other people that understand, and they're not going to, and you don't have to clean it up for somebody else. Um, you know, when I lost my dogs uh, a couple years ago, it's really, it was really kind of hard because I just wanted to have these that big emotional outbursts that you would normally have, you know, if if a, a family member died or something. But um, I also knew that people would say, well. It's just a dog, so you clean it up. Well, making a space for people to actually express those feelings and have those feelings, I think that's really, really important. And then to be um, just as a therapist, you know, individually, one-on-one. Exactly, that was exactly is validating and saying, you know, I I hear you, and it's okay. It's okay to be this sad because you're never going to get over something if you keep burying it or you know cleaning it up we're not going to get over it
0: I was just thinking oh my gosh and I'm not going to go into it because I literally will start crying but I I mean I probably wound up joining the group myself because I as much as I know this stuff I really didn't properly grieve about Miles Mm -hmm. and his sister that just passed away six months later so Mm -hmm. I'll speak. shut up now because I will start crying and it'll end up being a therapy session, Mm -hmm. but you're right. We don't give ourselves permission to have those feelings and think about as a human being, how many times over the course of your lifetime, or even in just one day, are you denying your feelings?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, you know and especially about something as as rough as grief telling us this is and having other people tell us this is how you should grieve because it's a dog mm-hmm. right. this is how you should grieve because it's just a cat and you know we have people walking all over the, with uh, invisible scars all the time this is just another layer of that right. and as soon as we can start acknowledging and saying hey yeah this is something that's real it's something that hurts and it's something that's you know deep and and you know, the other piece of that too, is there's a lot of other emotions attached to that animal, not just the fact that they're gone. You know, um, I think about my own personal journey with my, um, uh, with my dog. And when I lost the dog, it wasn't just the, you know, their companionship, but it kind of brings up all of those other things that you've been through with that animal. Yeah. You know, I I transitioned to adulthood with that dog. Mm-hmm. I learned how to be an adult. Um, I learned, uh, I, I, um, when my husband was deployed, that dog was the only consistency I ever had, and so it almost felt like when I lost my dog, it wasn't just like oh, I lost my companion. Like all of these times that we had together, that I needed support, you were the only consistency that I had there. You know, you can get on the phone, you can call family members and friends, but you know when you hang up the phone. Who's right there next to me? It yeah. was my dog, Asher. And so when they pass, all of those things come flooding back. All of those hard, quiet times that people don't see or don't hear about or don't talk about, those come up for us again. And that's, a, that's that can be a flood of emotion. So it's really hard. Yes. I'm having a hard time holding it together just hearing that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, ugh. Yeah, the amount of yeah. times that my dog, Layla, who just passed away two weeks ago, mm-hmm. laid with me when mm-hmm. I was so depressed, I couldn't get out of bed.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's, I think, where it really comes down to are those, you know, that rawness, that vulnerability that we have that we're not allowed to have right. with other people, you know, because we got to clean it up. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got to uh, pull up our big kid pants and be adults and, uh, you know, shove some of those things down. I think that, you know, the mental health stigma is getting better. Right. But um, being told to what you can't. Yeah. But being told what you can and cannot get upset about, uh, you know, I mean, that's that right there is, is I mean, now it's like the, the mental health discrimination Uh, piece. This you can get upset about, but this isn't such a big deal. You know, um, I always like to use that metaphor when people say, um, you know, you could have it so much worse. I hate it when people say that. (laughs) Oh, so unhelpful. That does not help anything because the thing is, is yeah, we understand that what you've gone through, what you've been through, um, uh is bad but let me tell you about somebody that had it worse I, how is that helpful how it, how did that ever become a thing and we do that
0: <laughs> to ourselves anyway i'll find myself doing it mm-hmm. i will i will you know say something or think something and then think okay you're getting a little victimy here or you're getting a little you know like we edit our and police ourselves even in our own heads so um, and mm-hmm. society's doing that as well. And then you have, you know, social media on top of it, which is its own horrific epidemic where everything is shiny and pretty and positive and one dimensional. And so, you know, you, you're combating that constant influx of, um, mm-hmm. of what's coming at you with, not not feeling like you're shiny and happy and uh, you know, all all that stuff. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah, it's, it ain't easy being human and animals are here to help us Mm -hmm. have this human experience. And our job is to take care of them and love them while they're helping us is how I look at them anyway.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they're just a wonderful example for us on, Hey, you want a lesson on how to be unconditional? There it is. Yes, it's a it's a living example on a daily basis. So, um, I love that saying. I I strive to be the person that my dog thinks I am. (laughs) I love that saying. So absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you.
1: All right. Yeah, I I have um, a Facebook page. It's Prairie Conlon C O N L O N at Journeys with Prairie um i have an instagram as well just prairie conlin and um i have a website uh, www.journeyswithprairie.com and yeah love to hear from everybody and, and see their animals and um so really looking forward to uh to spending time with everybody and exploring all of the unique different forms of animal therapy that are out there yeah uh, and going to cover some really cool stories about, uh, how animals have impacted people or made a difference. And, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's what, uh, we have to look forward to.
0: Absolutely. And listeners, you, again, you can find the animal effect on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, anywhere, you know, you can download and listen to podcasts, you can find it. And you can also go to the website at the um, which is on Mental Health News Radio Network. And there we'll have all of um, Prairie's contact information as well. So thank you so much again, Prairie, for coming on this journey and being part of our network.
1: Absolutely. I'm so excited. Thanks, Kristen.
0: And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Animal Effect on Mental Health News Radio Network and Mental Health News Radio.
1: Be surprised when I don't hate on you. Though. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, oh, I can, can fight. fight it. Good boy.